0: You're listening to the Josh Parnell Leadership Podcast. We all have leadership within us. And once we understand how to challenge perceived limitations, we're able to influence those we're leading. Josh is a leadership coach, trainer, and speaker. He's also a veteran of the United States Air Force with over 20 years of leadership experience. Are you ready to transform your leadership skills by tapping into unrecognized potential to achieve limitless results? Let's get ready for liftoff. It's time to go from great to greater. Here's Josh in today's episode. Welcome to the Josh Parnell Leadership Podcast. Once again, I'm excited that you're joining me again today. And today I'm joined by uh, another guest. Uh, this guest is an author, a coach, a pastor, and a strategist. I'm joined by Jason Stonehouse. Jason, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for taking the time and uh, hopefully can add some value. and. Um, be an encouragement. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, Jason, if you would, man, share with the audience
0: uh, who you are, what you do, give us all the details about Jason Stonehouse.
1: Yeah. So I've been in leadership for probably the last 30 plus years. Um, been leading in different size uh, organizations. Um, been doing a lot of coaching, uh, particularly the last couple of years. I've been working with CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs, and everyday normal people. Um, because, and I'll tell you a little bit later, uh, why I do that today, but, um, Really, for me, it's been a leadership since I was in middle school. And so, um, that's really been my world. Um, I've done some, uh, pastoring and ministry as well. Um, I found that, uh, you can really learn a lot about organizations and about people when you're dealing with primarily volunteers. Uh, that's when you really test whether you're a good leader or not when you're, when people aren't being paid to follow you. So, um, so yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been a really, really fun journey and, uh, enjoyable to be able to make a difference and have influence in the lives of other people.
0: Excellent. So I, have got to, I've got I've to gotta circle back to, you know, your time in ministry. You're absolutely right. That's something that, uh, if you ever want to test, uh, your leadership skills, uh, lead people who are not getting paid. So I would love to find out, I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot, but, um, wh- what, what is the, what is the biggest challenge that you have, with leading volunteers uh, in, in a ministry perspective?
1: I, I think it's more uh, about helping people to have a sense of ownership that uh, they, because I think every single one of us wants to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, but so many times as leaders, we don't do the hard work of really casting vision and helping people to own the vision that we have. And I think sometimes we get lazy, particularly when we're dealing with paid uh, employees is because um, we think, oh, you know, the paycheck is enough. But I'm telling you, when you're dealing with a volunteer, they have to have a sense of I'm a part of something bigger than me. And I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. And if you don't inspire them and encourage them and help them move forward, then they'll just say, I got something better to do um, on that night that you needed me to help you.
0: Love it. Love it. Very good. Well, Jason, uh, so I I mentioned it when I introduced you, but you are an author. Uh, I know you recently (laughs) released uh, a book. Um, Tell us about your book, the book title, and what your book is about.
1: So It's called The Calm and Confident Leader, and that's really the organization that I am CEO of right now. I work with primarily leaders, but really where that book came out of was um, I really have to take you back really all the way to middle school. Ever since I was in leadership, I thought I was dealing with stress. Um, and I would have told you From like in my teens, and my 20s, I'm like, oh, I'm just stressed out all the time. Uh, Well, about 10 years ago, I came to a breaking point and realized that it was something bigger than than I could handle. And so I went to a therapist and found out that what I was calling stress was actually anxiety that I was dealing with. I was having panic attacks. I had phobias um, and it was really crippling uh, my ability to lead so much so to a point where I began saying, I remember turning to my wife one day and I said, if this is going to be the rest of my life in leadership, I don't think I want to be a leader anymore. I mean, it was that crippling of me. And so that sent me, this was almost 10 years ago now, that sent me on a a journey of about eight, nine years of therapy. I did a ton of research. I looked at all the studies that were out there. I talked with lots of different leaders and in various capacities, and I tried to really understand what was happening. And my, my master's degree is in counseling, so I have a little bit of that background that I bring to the table as well. And um, really wanted to figure out how do I get on the other side of this anxiety because the anxiety was really running the show. It was controlling me and it was crippling me. And so I needed to get on the other end of it. And one of the things I said to myself back then even was if I ever get on the other side of this, I'm going to come back and help other people because um, I can't be the only one who's dealing with stress, anxiety and overwhelm when it comes to being a leader. And so um, originally I just started talking about how do we get free? How do we get free from anxiety? but then I realized that that goal was too low. Um, it's not just about getting free from anxiety. It's about learning how to be calm in the midst of our chaotic world. And it's learning how to be confident, even when we don't always, when, we ha- when we're when we dealing with the insecurities, when we're dealing with the self-image issues and all of those kinds of things, how do we be calm and confident? And so the reason I actually wrote the book, though, was I started coaching executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, all these folks about stress and anxiety and how to break free. But, I ha- but in order for me to be really effective with them, I had to do it one on one. And so I still do it today. I still coach people one on one. But I realized that, that I'm going to be limited. If I can only work with one person at a time, and I might do about six, seven clients at a time, um, I'm going to be limited with how much influence I can have. And I know that more and more people are struggling. And I think uh, especially with, uh, Josh, the uh, pandemic, I think it's exposed a whole lot of anxiety and stress that that our world is really feeling and, and major increases in all this area. So, um, so I wrote the book to say, can I take what I'm doing in my coaching and get it out to the rest of the world? Can I find a way to take some of the same tools and same processes that I discovered the hard way um, and really be able to give people an opportunity to benefit from it through the book?
0: That's fantastic, Jason. You know, I, I know that, um, as you alluded to, the, the pandemic really opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I've seen studies recently where um, you know, I'm seeing different numbers, but but as a whole, on average, I'm seeing about uh, 300% is the number that where anxiety has increased since the pandemic. And the good news is that people are finally starting to talk about it. I mean, you can you can uh, go to any city in any state and on just about any block, there's a gym. There's a there's a gym to work on our physical fitness, uh, you know, on, on a regular basis. And, and we're always talking about, you know, going to the gym and advocating for our physical health, but... Our emotional and our mental health is so critical too I mean it's it is um, you know it's really the, the the greatest asset that we have is our mind. and so how are we uh, educating uh, our mind? how are we uh, improving our mind and the fact that mental health awareness is no longer as taboo a topic as it used to be is encouraging and it's it's great that people like you, are on the you know the 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 forefront of leading this charge of making people aware. Um, a lot of people might be gathering different information, but um, but being able to make people aware um, is is critical. And so um, I want to circle back to, you know, you you said that you spent you know eight, nine years um, really working on how to uh, break free from your anxiety. And you also shared that, uh, we we don't it's it's much more than just simply breaking free. I want to ask you, can can people who experience what you experienced a decade ago can can they truly overcome what they're feeling, or is it is it about managing it on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, I would say I do like to equate it more with um, with almost like alcohol. You know, when people can be free, essentially, where they're they're sober and they're no longer addicted to alcohol, but they always have to be aware of it. And at any moment, at a moment of stress or something comes along, somebody says something, whatever. All of a sudden, I am feeling that anxiety. And one of the things that I do in the book, and especially in my coaching, is really learning to discover those um signs where we get triggered and then being able to recover quickly so what it will look like to you so if you're looking in on my life you'll be like wow that guy doesn't really deal with anxiety and really what i've done is i've learned how to um recuperate rebound if you will more quickly so it used to take me once i would get triggered with anxiety and stress it might take me a week to get over that particular intense situation. Um, Now it might take me a matter of minutes depending on what the situation is. And that's because I've learned the tools and the skills to be able to rebound quickly. So it it will on this. And that's why it's kind of tricky is I don't want to sit here and come on a podcast like this and say, Oh yeah, I can guarantee you, you'll be completely free from your anxiety. The reality is it'll, it'll feel like that. It'll look like that on the surface, but underneath the surface, it's really well-tuned skills on how to rebound more and more quickly from that anxiety and that stress.
0: I've learned over the years that emotional maturity is having feelings but not letting our feelings have us. Can you share um, some practical steps that we can take to ensure that our feelings don't overtake us?
1: Yeah. um, There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding when it comes to emotions or feelings out there. And uh, I like to tell people the emotions are not something that we're going to run from. These are not something that are bad, um, but they aren't the problem. Our emotions and even our emotions running us is not the problem. Our emo- it's what the emotions point to, and so one of the I use two different illustrations, and I'll, I'll kind of share them both with you real quick. One is the dash light, dashboard light in your car. Um, if you see that your car is out of gas, for example, um, you don't sit there and take the nozzle, the gas nozzle, and stick it into your dashboard. You put it into the gas tank because that's where it is. But the where you got the indication that your gas was low was on the dashboard, and it's the same thing with our emotions. Our emotions Emotions are going to point to something else in our vehicle, something else in who we are that needs to be addressed. And if you don't address that thing, you can do all the, the emotion management that you want to do. Like a lot of times people say, oh, I'm angry. I got to count to 10. Well, you're just dealing with the symptom. You're just putting duct tape over that dashboard light and trying to there. I want to find out why are you getting angry? What's underneath that anger? What's driving it? The other illustration I use is uh, a smoke alarm in a house. So many people are like, oh, my smoke alarm's going off. It's so annoying. And then we start, you know, duct taping pillows to a smoke alarm to try to muffle that sound so we don't have that irritating sound when the reality is our house is burning down. And if you don't deal with the house burning down, it doesn't matter that you've somehow quieted that smoke alarm or took the batteries out of that smoke alarm. Uh, you still had a house on fire. And so I think as far as I work with people is I really teach them, number one, how to trace the emotion to what is the source of the emotion and then rewire that thing, that driver that is driving that emotion so that you can actually change your emotion based on saying, Hey, I don't really like that emotion. Trace it, rewire it. And it comes back out into a much more, um, advisable emotion.
0: That's incredible. And two great analogies, by the way, Jason, I appreciate you sharing both those. What I'm hearing you say (laughs) is you are helping people get to the root of the issue rather than simply putting a Band-Aid on the issue, and I think a lot yeah. of people can use that type of coaching. Um, I want to ask you about the the leaders who you're coaching uh, on a regular basis. Where do you see leaders struggling the most today?
1: Well... <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that, again, you, you were mentioning before some of the stats around anxiety and now, and how our world is paying more attention to it. One of the things I wanted to say to you back then was um, uh, the World Health Organization said that now anxiety and stress and depression are actually costing uh, industry, uh, costing the marketplace $1 billion a year. And so when you think about how much money is being spent, all of a sudden now, CEOs and executives are starting to pay attention to. And the reason it costs them so much money is people are needing to take off work because they're depressed or because they're anxious. Um, People are then having to go for therapy. People, you know, all of these things because they're not taking care of the mental health issue. Um, So that's really an important piece of it. And um, my mind's escaping me of what you. um, Oh, yes. So here's what here's what had had happened previous to the pandemic. The focus of most marketplace uh, uh, businesses was on the external. It was on the ROI. It was on how well that leader could perform, how quickly they could build a team. But ultimately it was about the bottom line. How much money can you make me? Whether you're in marketing, whether you're making widgets, whatever it is, your focus as a employee or even as an executive is what about the bottom line? And so what happened was for cent, I mean, for at least for decades, you have a whole bunch of people here who are saying all you care about is how I perform externally. Well, now what we're beginning to see is that there is the problem is really an internal one, not an external one. And because we are finally starting to talk about what's going on inside of us, now we actually are realizing that if we don't deal with our inside, We are not going to be able to perform. And that's where I was, Josh, like where, you know, 10 years ago, I was thinking of quitting and backing out of the whole thing. It was definitely affecting my external performance because I wasn't paying attention to the internal. One of one of the therapists that I met with said, you know, it's like you went to a bank and you're trying to make withdrawals. Your body's trying to make withdrawals and you're overdrawn. And that's really that that's the way I describe my panic attacks, to be honest with you, is the panic attack happens. Your body shuts down because there is no resources for it to draw from, um, because you've not done self-care. You've not taken care of the mental health, the physical health, the emotional health, the relational health. You haven't paid attention to all those things. So I think the biggest issue that is that we are facing right now in leadership is we need to focus more on the internal than the external, because if we don't, very soon we will not perform externally the way we really want to.
0: So good. So I'm going to put it right back on you and ask, what are some ways that we can do that for our team that we're leading?
1: So I think one of the biggest things is really creating, um, a safe place for people to explore those things. Uh, I think really being able to ask some of those questions. I don't know, you know, how often one of the things I did with all of my staff, I had about 25, 26 staff that were reporting to me and I took probably my top, uh, six to eight performers and I started meeting with them once a month for an hour coaching. And most of that coaching was where do you want to go? What do you want to get better at? What are you dealing with? And a lot of times we were talking about people's marriages. We were talking about their kids. We were talking about their work-life balance. We were dealing with real life issues because what I said is, look, if I can invest in you as my staff member, I know, and if I can help you get better, then it's going to help the whole organization get better. And so that means we bring our whole self And I think one of the best ways we can start to change the tide here is start to speak about the fact that we are holistic people. We are not human doings. We are human beings. And so we have to begin to think about the holistic self and and how all of the uh, relationships and emotions and all of those things are playing into our external performance. So I think part of it's just elevating it. Yeah,
0: that's 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 great, man. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is, um, you know, we're putting the person, uh, we're putting the name before the job title. We're putting the person before the process. Um, you know, we, we've heard the phrase: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And. You know, as John Maxwell would say, um, you know, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. But I, but I also think that we can't truly influence those that we're leading unless we're connecting with those that we're leading, and we have to be able to connect on a personal level first and foremost. Um, you just alluded to the role that uh, that emotions and feelings um, and actions subsequently play in our lives. Can you uh, address specifically what what is the role that emotions play in our lives?
1: Well, I, th- I think we, we re- kind of talked about that earlier, as far as they provide that dashboard light, they provide that smoke alarm, you know, and they allow us to know, hey, there's something I need to pay attention to. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things that we need to pay attention to are wounds, sometimes all the way back to childhood. You'd be amazed how many, like, you know, CEOs who are making seven, eight figures um, that I work with, and it comes back to uh, some real insecurities from childhood that they're still trying to make up for, or that performance mentality of I gotta achieve, achieve, achieve. And my worth and my value as a human being is really based on how well I perform. Well, that's baloney. And, and that is, is sabotaging their ability to really lead well. So again, we try to get to the root. We try to un- unpack that and start to move in a different direction.
0: We've unpacked this a bit on this, on this podcast before, where we talk about, you know, the labels that have been put on ourselves. Um, oftentimes, at an early age, whether it be from someone in our life or maybe even on our uh, by ourselves, maybe we put a label on ourselves years ago, and it subsequently attached a limitation to us, and we we struggle to break free from these limitations. Um, we we start questioning our self worth and 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 if we deserve something or not, and whether or not we're ever going to amount to you know, something or or, or uh, whether or not we're essentially worth, um, you know, what we know God has called us to be. We know who we are in Christ. And so, being able to break free from those limitations um, is critical because God has called us to 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 fulfill a purpose for our life, and there are people that he's putting in our life um, who are depending on us to feel, for fulfill God's purpose for our life. And so, Um, what are some other things that you have personally learned as a leader and as a coach working with CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs?
1: I would say the biggest thing I could tell your listening audience as far as um, what will start to really bring change is really around this concept of ownership. Um, It is taking responsibility for what you think, what you feel, and what you do. Um, Where I see so many people getting struggling is – the problems are external to who they are. So if I just had a better boss, if my employees just showed up on time, if things just, you know, if if my wife or my husband was not always so demanding or so whatever. Um, And so we're, or sometimes it's just my circumstances. I don't make enough money. Um, I don't have the right resources I need. And so what happens is people, many leaders will look at the external circumstances or the external people and will say, the problem I'm having is that person or that circumstance. The problem with that, Josh, is that if I want to bring change in my life, I have to change them. I have to change the other person or I have to change the circumstance because that's the only way things are going to change because that's where the problem is. And so what one of the things that I teach is that you are a 100% responsible for everything you think, everything you feel, and everything you do. As soon as I do that, now I bring back to me, I now have those things. I have now, they're my responsibility. So, so my a really silly example is some people will say, oh, you make me so mad. And I will tell people, nobody makes you mad. You choose to be angry in response maybe to their asinine behavior, but you're still choosing it. You're the one who's choosing that anger. If you don't want to be angry, you have other options of what you could choose in that. But see, most people don't think that. They think you caused that. You made me do that because of your behavior. And so once it becomes my choice, now I get to choose how I think. I get to choose how I feel. I get to choose what I do. Now I can respond intentionally rather than react impulsively. So what I want to do, yeah, so what I want to do is I want to learn to be able to respond intentionally so I can look at a bunch of different options and I can choose the intentional one that I want to respond with. That's my choice, rather than reacting impulsively. Nine times out of 10, when you react impulsively, it's bad, it's unhealthy, it's wrong. So you don't want to let your impulses lead you in that. And so I would say, if you really want to start to bring change, start by taking responsibility. Say, I have, I'm not, because th- you were talking before about those labels and that worth. My my problem with it is so many people are giving the power to somebody else to define them. And so it's based on their opinions of me that, that I don't have worth. But now if I get to be in charge, if I don't give my power away, I'm going to choose to now, now I'm responsible for how I think. I'm responsible for how I feel. I'm responsible for what I do. Now I can start to bring change. And this is when the light bulb goes on for my clients. And you'll see it in the book as well. I've got a number of chapters on how to actually do that, how to actually take responsibility. There's a chapter just called Owning in a Rental World, um, that we live in a world where we just kind of rent these, we rent worth, we rent value based on if I can perform for you, then I'm going to get sense of satisfaction. I'm going to get a sense of worth. That's called renting your worth. We want to own our worth, and so I have a whole chapter in the book about how you can start to own in a rental world and really begin to then bring the changes that you want to see happen in your life. And it really starts by understanding what's going on inside of me through that emotional piece. So it all kind of circles together.
0: Well, I'm, man, I'm 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 trying to to process a lot of what you're sharing, and I'm trying to make you know make sure I'm remembering. Hey, he said this. He said this. Um, I love. You know, let's go back to it for a second. You said. Uh, Uh, respond intentionally rather than reacting impulsively that's strong that's Mm -hmm. something that i think a a lot of us can can um certainly relate to and and implement in our everyday life especially when when we're trying to practice emotional regulation which for a lot of us can be challenging but i'm also hearing you talk about the importance of seeking first to understand then to be understood jason as we begin to wrap up this episode i have a, a couple questions left for you the first one being if there is anyone who's listening, who is experiencing anxiety, who's experiencing stress, who's experiencing these bouts of uh, of, of inability to uh, regulate their emotions, what what would you say is the next step? The next step for th- this person? Well,
1: obviously, a shameless plug. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, buy the book. <laughs> um, you know, and and again, or or let's start coaching. Let's start working together. Because to be honest, everybody is different, and every you know, I, I see some like coaches out there, mindset coaches, and that saying, hey, you need to just adopt these mindsets and that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know what? That's not gonna work because everybody's root issues are different, and so the mindsets and the positive things that we need to counter comes with. The understanding the root. So, um, I don't, you didn't ask me this question. I'm going to answer it anyway. Um, is what did, I, what have I learned personally in the last year or so? And, um, and I would say this would be the best thing I could say to somebody that's in the place that you're talking about. And that is the word is curiosity is being curious. And I would say the biggest thing because me as a leader for 30 years, I always felt like as the leader, I need to have the answers. I need to, you know, fake it till you make it, um, put things forward. And really in the last year or two, I've just started exploring and just experimenting with this idea of curiosity. Now, the curiosity comes in two different ways. First of all, and this would be to the person that you're re- referencing, would be cur- curious about me. What's going on in me? Why did I react that way? Why did I snap at my daughter when she said that thing? Why did I get frustrated when that guy cut me off? That reaction was way more extreme than what was going on. There's something underneath that. Getting curious. So it's essentially following the thread of that emotion and getting curious about yourself. Not judging yourself. Not shaming yourself. Not making yourself feel bad because you you didn't perform it the way you know. Hey, I bombed that talk. I was up in front of a thousand people and I didn't do as good as I could. Why get curious, just get, just not, not judgmental, not critical, just curious. I wonder what was going on for me. I wonder why my mind wandered. I wonder, right. So that's just the curious on me. And then the second one is just curious about the people around you rather than making assumptions. Cause I, I would say assumptions are relational killers. Anytime we're assuming about somebody else, we are killing the relationship. And so just get curious. And so, you know, I have a 15 year old daughter loves Taylor Swift. And so one of the times I was out talking with her and I just said, what do you like about Taylor Swift? Like, what is it about Taylor Swift? Is it her music? Is it the lyrics? Is it her style? Is it, you know, like, what is it? What is it? The theme? Is it the way she dresses? You know, what is it about Taylor Swift that you're so drawn to? I don't have an answer and there's no judgment or criticism. I just want to understand my daughter better. I want to understand, you know, what resonates with her and why those things resonate with her, because then I'm going to better be able to love her. I'm going to be better able to support her and encourage her. And she's discovering at 15 years old, she's discovering parts about herself. She's starting to understand herself. So I want to help her in that journey of understanding her. And the way I've started to get there is through curiosity. So I don't have an agenda. It's just, I want to know about you. And so, you know, you, I I haven't had a chance yet to ask you, Josh, but at some point I would love to find out what made you drawn to a, a leadership podcast? What, what brought you into this area? I'm sure you have a heart to want to help other people, but you want to help leaders. That's different than helping other people. Be- you know, I want to help people who are stressed and anxious. Um, and yes, the leadership bent is a part of mine, but it's a little, yours is a little broader. It's a little more different than what I am. So Again, not for a judgment, but just say, I care about you and I want to understand you. I want to know what makes you tick because then I'm going to know as I meet people to say, Hey, you're going to want to work with this Josh guy because, you know, he's got, he's really good in these areas or that area. And he's really passionate about this or that same way that you're going to be able to say, Hey, I met this guy, Jason on the podcast. And, uh, you know, he would be really be able to help you take the next step. So I think all of those things come out of that curiosity piece.
0: That's so good, man. It's the importance of asking questions. And to answer your question, I'll, I'll keep it brief. My mission is to reach people and build leaders. Um, but but beyond that, I want to help you, Jason. Uh, so uh, if, if if we want to know about uh, what, what your daughter finds so amazing about Taylor Swift, we're going to go directly to the source. So T-Swizzle, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this podcast now on YouTube... Come on this podcast. We're we're glad to have you as a guest. So, uh, yeah, shameless plug there. Thanks, uh, thanks Jason, for that. So Jason Stonehouse, a master uh, in counseling, uh, 30 years in leadership experience, and the author of The Calm and Confident Leader. Jason, where can our audience go uh, find your book, and where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I would say as far as the book is concerned, I would, you could go to Amazon and just type in the search com confident leader, or my name, Jason Stonehouse. Or if you want a personal autographed copy, um, you can just go to comconfidentleader.com. confident leader.com, And you'll see there's a link there for the book and that you'll order then directly from me. And so I will sign your book and uh, send it to you that way. Um, and then as far as, I mean, you could just really search my name, uh, Instagram, uh, Jason T Stonehouse, house so don't forget the t everybody always does and it annoys the guy who's also named jason stonehouse somewhere in the world so uh jason t stonehouse is uh my instagram and uh you can find me on facebook and all those kind of places as well so very
0: good jason t stonehouse jason thanks for joining us on the josh parnell leadership podcast
1: thanks for having me man appreciate it
0: well thank you all for tuning in to the podcast have a great day everyone don't forget to smile today Tell your loved ones how much they mean to you. I'm Josh Parnell, reminding you to keep leading well.